Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ set apart for his purpose and his kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Merry Christmas. That's not very joyful. Merry Christmas. Wow. Okay. I get it. It's that time of year. Well, good morning, and thank you guys so much for being here. Man, that's a great word from Jacob this morning about um, us using and allowing the Lord to use this in our lives and in our church this time of the year. And it's a sweet time to focus on joy. And as we were singing that last song, uh, Forever Rain, it has that line of, oh, Lord, I'm running, into you. I'm running to your arms. I thought about that. When I, when I I was here this morning at church. We got here early. We set up like always, and I didn't bring any of my children with me early this morning, but then when Shay got here, the kids come in, and and our youngest, Barrett, he's five years old, and he comes, and I see him at the door, and I'm standing back over here in the gym, and he just runs to me. I mean, just sprints as fast as he can, uh, and right into my arms. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't hesitate for an embrace, and man, it was so sweet, and I just... I, I held him up in my arms, and I hugged him, and I spun him around. I kissed him on the neck, and all the things that a good father should do to their son. And so it was just a sweet moment as a father and son. But as we were singing that song, and as we were closing out worship with that idea, I thought about, man, what does that look like for me to run into the arms of the Lord? And how does he see me like I see my son? And how does he know all those things? How does he know? How do, like, I know that Barrett, he, I can spin him around and, and do all these. Like, how does the Lord know that so intimately about us? And I just thought that's a really sweet picture and image of what joy is supposed to look like when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. That's been our focus all week. Uh, as we're celebrating and we're wrapping up week three of Advent, and tomorrow, beginning the fourth week of Advent, we're going to be focusing on hope. And so I just want to encourage you to engage, to engage in that process. I know if you're anything like us, it's a really crazy, busy time, and you may have travel, you may have family, and you may have things planned. I was talking with Casey and Sean before, and Casey's folks are in, and she was talking about how they have an agenda already out. They went and saw Christmas lights last night, downtown Round Rock. They've got things planned. And, and if you're like them, it's probably the same for you as it is for us. As this has been a crazy, busy, but a really joyful week for us uh, in the midst of this week leading up until Christmas um, and, and leading up until uh, we celebrate Jesus and, and celebrate Christmas Day. And so this week uh, I went and I had an Eric Shea's sister and uh, brother-in-law and our, our three nephews came into town on Thursday night. And that really was Friday morning. So I had a 2 a.m. pickup at the airport, which is like the worst pickup because do you sleep because you got a 30-minute drive. You want to get there early. Do you go to sleep and then wake up? Do you just stay up? So it was, uh, it was bad. And so I went and picked them up, and they came, and they're all jet-lagged. And they stayed the night with us, and we did Round Rock Donuts the next morning in pajamas. It was raining, and they played Super Mario Bros. on the, on the uh, Nintendo. And it was just a really fun and joyful day. And then Friday, we get up Friday morning, 
and we, or no, Saturday, so that was Friday. Saturday, we get up early Saturday morning. We go to Fort Worth to see Shay's extended family. And man, we are up and back in a day. And at thir- I, if, you wanna, if you want to experience Christmas, you should drive on I-35 from Austin to Dallas and back on the Saturday before Christmas. And if you still have Christmas joy after that, then the Lord is on you. And then you... But uh, honestly, Shay drove the most way, and this is where we go. I mean, I'm working on my message for this morning, last night in the car. The kids are watching Star Wars in the back seat because we're trying to get all ready for the new Star Wars movie. And so, man, that's just the season. And it's so easy for us to focus on joy. As we've been in the season of Advent, we, we talked our first week of Advent about repentance, which did not feel Christmassy. When you think about Christmas and the holidays, uh, and Jesus and this baby that's born in the manger, your first thought probably isn't repentance. And if it is, good on you, first of all. Like, if you think, I need to repent. The holidays are here. Uh, it, good on you, first of all. But it, Joe did a great job of just teaching us what repentance truly looks like. Man, humbling ourselves before the Lord, praying to him, seeking his face, and repentance means turning it away. And that, that God gave us a path forward that did not exist before, that we are dead in our transgressions, that the wages of sin being death, and that's what we earn, and that's what we're paid for, and that the Lord gave Jesus Christ. He, the flesh came and dwelt among us, and he first loved us, and this baby that was born in this manger to this virgin, and God made a path of repentance to him. I mean, what love, and how incredible, and, and graceful, and loving of a God. And then the second week, <clears throat> Last week, we talked about anticipation. And again, that feels more Christmassy as we're all anticipating something during this time of year. And so this morning and this week, we focused on joy. And so we're going to read, uh, Bo and Melissa, thank you all for doing our scripture reading this morning. I'm going to have Melissa start reading our uh, scripture every week. I mean, she just read it so beautifully and with, uh, with such patience and goodness. And I was like, man, like a true grandmother. Right? I can just picture you reading the Christmas story to your grandkids. So um, she, she read that. And so that's what we're focusing on this week in this, 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 this image and this picture of joy. And it's easy for us to think about joy, but it's hard for us to explain it or define it. It's one of those things. It's like love. You know what love feels like. You've experienced love. You've given love. You know what it's like to be hurt by love. And joy is similar in the sense is that we know and we've experienced joy in our lives, but to put it into a box for me to stand up and explain it to you and give you the theology behind joy and the definition and this is what it is, this is what it is, is really difficult. But it's all through Scripture, from front to back, joy. Psalms say that that, uh, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, even today. That God commands us that every day we wake up is a gift, and we should, we, should, we should have joy in that moment. Paul writes uh, that we are to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Now, I know what a joyful moment feels like, but when I'm having struggles and I'm having trials and difficulties in my life, I don't feel joyful. And, and he's, he writes that it's pure joy. Right? Uh, Luke 15 says there's more rejoicing, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner being saved than over the righteousness of the 99. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, it says, Go 
eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved what you do. And so it's just from front to back through Scripture what, it, what joy means, how we're supposed to be people that walk in joy, but it's hard to understand intellectually in a lot of times in our lives. And I'm not going to try to define that for you, but I, what I want you to do is to picture a moment of joy in your life. So right now, whatever that is, if think back about something that's happened in your life, a moment, an experience, a circumstance, a change that brought you joy. So it could be uh, you, you graduated, a graduation, someone graduated from high school or college, and there's a graduation, the joy and the accomplishment that you felt over that and the joyful moment. It could be um, a wedding proposal, right, and a marriage. And the day, like when you get this moment, you propose and you fall in love, how joyful that is. And then when you, when you get married, that moment of, of joy that comes with uh, a marriage and a proposal, or when you've had a kid, when you've had a child, man, you've just been, you've been pregnant for nine months, and it's been hard, and then here is this newborn baby, and just how much joy you have over that. So I want you to raise your hand if you have an experience in any of those. Is there anyone, yeah, raise your hand, nice and high. Is there anyone that's left out? I can think of other joyful moments. All right, Jeremy, you, you know joy? There we go. So we all know joy, so I want you to keep that picture in the back of your mind as we look at this story of Mary and the, and the, um, the announcing of the coming Christ. And it is this joyful moment for Mary, and we get this really intimate look into this moment that she has. And so rather than me trying to explain and tell you, here's a three-step joy, and I can make an, uh, a, you know, each letter, J stands for jolly, O stands for appreciation. I'm kidding. I know it doesn't start with an O. I'm kidding. What I want us to do is a look at Mary's experience and look at the joy that she experiences during this moment where she finds out about the Christ. Because as much as you can think about joy in your own life, there's likely a circumstance, an opportunity where you can think about heartache, pain, disappointment, where things didn't turn out the way it seemed, things didn't happen the way you anticipated. And so we even see that in Mary's story. And I think for Shay and I, we had our youngest when he was born, and, and I talked with um, Chris Crook and Bo McKinney this morning, and we all have experience with a child that was, that was spent time in the NICU. And, and our youngest, he was in the NICU for 10 days after he was born, and it's this joy. But man, you're praying that the Lord does whatever he needs to do. You're praying for the health of the baby. You're so desperate for him or her to be okay but you have this moment of joy. And so you're going to see that in Mary's story too. You're going to see wrapped into all this, there's hard things, there's hard circumstances, and I guarantee you it's not what she pictured. It's not how she imagined it. It's not the way she would have planned it. But there's joy in it nonetheless. And so we're just going to look through the story and just really patiently just look at some things. I'm going to point out some things, and the Lord may reveal things to your own heart. So I'd love for you to read along with us in Luke chapter 1. If you have it on your phone, you can pull it up. We're going to have the words up on the screen. Uh, if, you, if you have a Bible, break that bad boy out. We've got some over here on the table, so you can get one of those. And just read through. And, and rather than just skimming over the story, 
read through it like, like Melissa did this morning, just patiently and look at this moment of joy for Mary that we get this intimate look and insight into. And before I do that, I'm going to pray. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for joy. God, I thank you that joy is not circumstantial. And God, that we can have joy even in trials, even in troubles, even in difficult times. Lord, we find joy and we find it in you. Lord, that it's not something that we have to strive for or to work harder at, but it's something that you give, and it's a gift that you give, Jesus, and that you gave it in the form of a baby. God, that you came to this earth and you dwelt among us. So we know what joy is like. I pray, Lord, that as we look through this this story of Mary, Lord, that you speak to us. God, that you show us something new, that you give us a reason for joy. God, and that we can walk away on December 22nd filled with joy for what we are remembering in this season. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, the word says this. This is Luke's gospel. If you know anything about Luke, he's probably smarter than you. He was a physician, which is uh, not interesting that he gives the most detailed account about this birth. And so uh, Luke writes this, beginning in verse 26 of chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting is this that this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the God Most High. And so as, as she's, here's Mary, and this is the moment that she finds out that she's pregnant. And so, again, a moment of joy. If you have had a baby or if you have found out that you're pregnant recently, you know that moment of finding out, oh, my gosh, we're pregnant. We're going to have a baby and how exciting that is. And that, this is this moment for Mary, but it's not how she might have pictured it or planned. And so there's a couple things that the, that the angel says first before giving her the news. And this is important, and this is important for Mary, and it's important for you and I. And he, he tells her two things that are true about herself. If you look right there, um, in verse 28, he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You're highly favored, and the Lord is with you right there in verse 28. And he tells, the angel tells her two things about herself. First and foremost, that she is highly favored. That she's highly favored. Now, I don't know if you've grown up in the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church has a way of honoring Mary and uplifting Mary. And as broken men often do, we get all worked up about that as, oh, they see Mary as a deity and, you know, they put her too high or whatever. And then us in a more of a Protestant church, we, we, don't, we don't necessarily give Mary the honor and the, that she deserves. But what the Lord says to her, what this angel says to her is that she's highly favored, and I want you to know, is it just as Mary is highly favored, so are you. Ephesians 1 
says this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. And listen to this. To the praise of his glory, glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The same word there is the same word Gabriel uses when he speaks to Mary. And he says that she's favored. It's the same word that Paul uses when he writes to the church. And I want you to know that just as Mary is favored, is the same thing about you. And that it's important that you know that truth and that you walk in that truth. Knowing that you are as favored as Mary is. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that powerful? If you want to know truth about yourself and who you are and who Christ says you are, go read Ephesians chapter 1. If you are struggling this morning with your identity in Christ and how much Christ loves you and and, and the power that is in Jesus Christ, you go read Ephesians chapter 1 and look at what the Lord says and look at what Paul says. He says that we're favored. The, The translation of that word means to pursue with grace or a compass of favor. And that's powerful. Lord, the Gabriel says that she is highly favored just as we are. The second thing he tells her is he says that the Lord is with you. In his greeting, the first thing he says, you are highly, highly favored and the Lord is with you. And he is assuring her and giving her reassurance that God is with her. And he's like, buckle up. I'm going to give you some news. It's going to be hard to understand. And before I get there, you're favored. And the Lord is with you. And it's kind of like a, hey, get ready. You might want to sit down for this kind of thing. Like if I, if, I, if I, Shay has a cousin that um, they had three girls. And so their girls were high school, college age, you know, I getting out of the house. And then the wife found out uh, on her 40th birthday that she was pregnant. Very unplanned. And so she set her husband down. It was kind of a moment where she said, Larry, you might want to sit down for this. I'm pregnant. And so I don't know if, you know, if that's a moment of joy, if that's a moment of terror, or if it's all in one. And so, uh, but God tells Mary this moment, he says, um, he's, he reminds her that the Lord is with her. And I want you to know that that's the same thing that's true about you and I. In the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, uh, when, uh, we, are to, we are to make disciples of all nations. It said, Jesus says this to us. Uh, it says, in teaching them to obey in everything I have commanded to you. This is the last thing Jesus says in the book of Matthew. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Is that he tells Mary the Lord is with her, which is the same thing that's true about us and what the word says about us. And so when we find truth in Christ and we find truth in ourselves, who we are in Christ, it gives us peace. It gives us confidence. It gives us purpose to move forward in what God is doing in our lives. And that, that brings joy. That brings peace. That brings purpose. Because you may be walking through something very difficult. And you may read that, that line in James chapter 1 that says, finding it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. But I want you to know, church, that it's because we know who we are in Christ It's because God's word says it's true about us. And either you believe this is true or you don't. There's no gray. You don't get to choose when you believe it and when you don't believe it. You don't get to choose what you think is right and what you think is wrong. This isn't Bible buffet. And what the Lord says about you, if you have life in Jesus Christ, you are favored 
in God's eyes, and he is with you always to the end of the age. And man, if, that's not, if that doesn't bring joy to your life, then I don't know what it what does. Let's continue in verse 31. Um, <clears throat> scripture says this. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And listen to Mary's response. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And there's a couple things that you need to know that happens in this scripture and in this message from the Lord. When, when, the, when Gabriel comes down, he says, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And here, and Gabriel is a messenger. He is an angel that, that brings messages. And here's uh, a couple really important things that happen here. And there are, two, there are a couple prophecies that are fulfilled. If you know that, that Jesus' family, they're, they're, they're from the line of David. They're Jewish people that know the word of God. They know the Old Testament. And, and there's two prophecies that are fulfilled here. First is the prophecy of the virgin birth. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And, and will call him Emmanuel. Which is just what we sang this morning. Our worship team sang this morning is that this is a fulfilled prophecy and the promise of a virgin birth. And so the angel tells her, he says, you're going to have a baby. You will name him Jesus. He will be the son of God. And then he says, uh, the, the angel tells her this, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. She says that he will give him the throne of his father, David. And that's the second prophecy that's fulfilled here. In Second Samuel chapter 7, says this, when your days are over, and this is God speaking to David, to King David. This is God speaking to King David. He tells David, he says, when your days are over, David, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. And so the, the, the Lord promises to David that out of his line, he will raise up, out of his ancestors, he will raise up a savior and a king whose reign will never end. And so the, the angel tells Mary this and tells her that the, there are two prophecies here that are fulfilled. And so I love how Mary responds, and she asks a question. And if you've read any more of Luke chapter 1, uh, the beginning of the chapter is uh, the, the pregnancy of Elizabeth. And you see Zechariah, he goes into the temple court, and he's with the Lord, and he questions the Lord. And he questions the Lord. The Lord says that they're going to get pregnant. Elizabeth, as the word says, she's very old. Scholars think she's in her 60s or 70s at the time. And so, um, you know, they've never been able to conceive, never been able to have a baby. And, and Zechariah questions the Lord. and He doubts God and what God says. 
And so God silences him. He's mute until the birth of his baby. And so Mary asks a question here, but you're going to see that it's different than Zechariah. And she's not asking, and she's not doubting God. She's asking, how shall it happen? If you look in her question, she says this, how will this be? In verse 34, she says, how will this be? And really the, the better translation for this is, how shall this happen? You see, Mary believes the Lord, or she believes this angel. She believes the promise of this baby. And she asked God how. She had said, how should this happen since I'm a virgin? And so I want to encourage you in your own life to not be afraid to ask God how. If God has put something on your heart, if God is leading you to a place, if you're in a difficult circumstance or situation and you've been faithful and been walking and following the Lord, a lot of times if not all the times, he calls us into things that we didn't expect. He calls us into moments that we didn't picture and not how we would have planned. So I want to encourage you to be faithful in that, but I also want to encourage you to not be afraid to ask how. And, and, and for, for Shay and I right now, the Lord has, is leading us in an area that's really scary is that, that, that we feel confident that God is calling, uh, you know, Shay to, to step away from her job that she's in and to fully focus on our church and what we're doing. And that's really hard because we don't understand how that's going to be provided for. We don't have expendable income where we can lose a, a job. But we feel confident in the Lord's doing that. And so don't be afraid to ask how. If God's calling you into something, don't be afraid to ask how. And God is good and gracious. And then God gives her this sign. He tells Mary, he said, here's a sign. He says, your cousin Elizabeth, who's never been able to conceive, that's never had a child, that's never been pregnant, and she's in her 60s or 70s, that she's pregnant and she's in her sixth month. And God gives her this sweet little moment to remind her of his faithfulness and what he said is true. And I want to tell you, for even Shay and I, as Shay stepped into that faithfully, uh, into walking away from this role uh, in her job, and, and, and we said yes to that, that very day, the very day that she went in and talked about her resignation, the Lord gave her just this little, this little nugget of hope and of assuredness that afternoon as she went to this Bible study. Our, our, our daughter Sloan does this Bible study on um, every other Monday night. Uh, it's in the afternoon. It's like 3.30 to 5, and they're with girls in our church, and it's really cool. And so Shay, last month, got to go and help them with this Bible study. And it was really great, and she loved being a part of it, and those women loved having her. But that's not something she can normally do with her job, is that she works on Mondays. That's her busiest day. And so um, after she talked to her boss and said, I'm stepping away, uh, she went to pick up some from the Bible said that night, and the, the lady who leads it came to her and pulled her aside there and said, hey, do you mind? We loved having you. Would you consider helping us next semester? And it was just this little sweet reminder of God's faithfulness, because normally she would have to say no, but she was like, you know what? I, I can help with that. I can do that. And so God does this to Mary. He gives her this, uh, this reminder that her, her her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant in her 60s or 70s. And so um, it, God does that for us. So I want to encourage you not to be afraid to ask God how. 
And what he does in this by giving her this little picture and this little sliver of confidence and hope and this promise and this sign, which is the same that he does for us, is that he strengthens her faith. That what she said yes to, God gives her confidence and strengthens her faith in what she said yes to. And so when you think about, when you hear that Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, if you have a cousin in this room, or if you have a cousin, if you're in this room and you have a cousin, you know what that's like to grow up with a cousin. And so, um, like, our nephews are staying with us, and all of our kids are probably within, uh, you know, seven or eight years of one another, and they love being cousins. And so, Elizabeth, is di- Elizabeth and Mary are different, because Mary, at the time of her pregnancy, and when she's engaged to be married to Joseph, she's about 15 at the time. And we know that her cousin Elizabeth, who's also pregnant, is in her 60s or 70s. So, they're cousins— but they're, they, they, they're very different than like uh, cousins of the same age. And so I imagine that Elizabeth had a huge hand in raising Mary. Like when Mary was a baby, here's Elizabeth, her cousin, that's never been able to have a child that could help, that could uh, help raise her, that could help feed her, that could help her as she's a baby and as she's a girl. And so I imagine that Elizabeth and Mary had this really sweet almost relationship, almost like an aunt or a grandmother. And the Lord says, or the angel says to her, he says that, that she's pregnant as well. And so in verse 39, uh, says this. It says, at that time, after she got news, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. This is, uh, this is, this is Elizabeth's baby. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord shall come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And so we see that Mary gets this news. And gets a sign about Elizabeth. And what does she do? She immediately hurries and goes to Elizabeth. She immediately goes to her. And so I want to encourage you in your own life that if the Lord is prompting you, if he's leading you to something, don't hesitate. And I don't say that as a fear monger or to say, man, if you don't hesitate, God's promise is not to come true. But Mary immediately gets a sign from the Lord and she goes. And she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. And I'm, I'm imagining her on the way to tell her this story. Gosh, she's like, here I am, and I'm 15 years old. I'm engaged, and I'm pregnant, and I'm going to go tell Elizabeth that I'm pregnant with the Lord's child, and he's the son of God, the lineage of David. She's going to think I'm crazy, right? Here she is. She's this old woman. She's going to think I'm nuts. And so, uh, and especially during this time, this is dangerous for her. A woman who's pregnant outside of wedlock I mean, that's dangerous for her. She could be stoned. Um, and, and I just imagine this difficult moment for Mary that she's got to go and share this news with Elizabeth and how she would feel. And I don't know if you've ever had to share news, if you've ever had to share news that's really hard, but you know how that feels. And it's kind of like a good news, bad news type thing. It's like, all right, do you want the good news or the bad news first, Right? Bad news is I'm pregnant. Good news is it's the Lord's baby. You know, and I'm thinking she's like, she's going to think I'm crazy. Like, I, this, is, this is crazy. 
And I, you know, I must have had a, a you know, a vision, or I must have, I must have been crazy, or whatever. And she gets there, and this is how sweet God is. She entered Zachariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth, just hello, how are you doing, whatever their greeting is. It says when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. And she goes in this diatribe as, How am I blessed to be in the presence of the mother of the Lord and Savior? And I, I bet, I, I think Mary's like, Oh, thank goodness. I didn't have to tell her this story. She already knew. And it's just this really sweet moment of God didn't even make her have to tell this really hard story. And that it says that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you know Scripture and you know Old Testament, this is the first time that anyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Old Testament says that the, fear, the Spirit came on someone, but not in them. And here's this moment and that Mary has conceived this child, that Jesus Christ, and now she goes to Elizabeth and she's filled with the Spirit and the baby leapt within her. So it's just this really sweet moment of joy for them as a family. And so uh, I, just to close, I have a few things that, in, in my reflection of this story. And as I prayed through and read through and read through um, Logan's blog post this week on, on joy and just been praying and thinking through this, here's a few things I want to share with you all that the Lord kind of gave me. The first is this, is that joy is a song to sing. Joy is a song to sing. If you cheat and look forward just a couple of verses, uh, your Bible likely says Mary's song. As soon as this moment happens, Mary breaks out and she sings this song. And, and it's a beautiful, and I encourage you to read it, uh, read it. Psalms 47, chapter 1 says this for the director of music. It says, clap your hands, all you nations, and shout to God with cries of joy. And, and you think about Christmas time and how we, we sing these songs of joy and Shane and I were talking about this in the car the other day, is that it's the only time of year, the only holiday that has music associated with it, right? It's the only holiday that we celebrate that has singing, that we go out and we sing these songs. And you're probably at this point on December 22nd, tired of hearing Christmas music. But man, that's all that's playing right now on the stores, in the radio, in your home. I have a nine-year-old daughter. She, Alexa, play Christmas music. I mean, it's always going. It's the only holiday that we have and we sing songs. And like you think about Halloween, we don't sing songs at Halloween. I mean, there's like Monsters Mash and Thriller, but they're not like we don't play them on repeat. They're not Halloween songs. But Christmas is the only time, and they're, they're songs of joy. You think of joy to the world, joy to the world, the Lord has come, right? You think of the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild. God and sinners reconciled, joyful all ye nations rise. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. If you are going to go write a hit Christmas song for 2020, start now and write it about joy and you will make it on the radio. But it's the only time of year where we sing songs and they're songs of joy, typically. And so if you've been following along with us in our Advent reading, your activity this week was to sing a Christmas carol. 
and uh, Denise Maxwell organized a group of people that went to uh, a nursing home and a memory care unit here in Round Rock. And so they, they got together and they went and they sang Christmas carols to um, the residents there. And so I was texting with Lindsay Ledyard afterwards and she said as they were singing these songs, she said a lot of the residents there, they just, you know, a little bit glazed over, a little bit out of it, not engaged, you know, don't know if they have Alzheimer's, dementia, or what's going on. And they hear these people, and so she said, as they began to sing these Christmas carols, as they began to sing these songs of joy, she said, you could see people, you could see them change. You could see them light up. You could see them engage. And she said there was this woman in the front that was just weeping. It's just wept and wept and wept as they sang. And she said at the end, they wrapped up, and Lindsay just went over there, and she just kind of touched this woman. This woman embraced her and kissed her on the cheek and said, thank you so much. And she was just crying these tears of joy. And I want you to know that what joy looks like in our lives is it is a song to sing. And like Jacob prayed, it's not on Christmas. It's all the time for us that we get to come in this place and we get to sing songs of joy. And I get that you don't come in ready for that. I get that your week has been busy and you're stressed and you're getting out of the house and you barely made it to church on time and you're probably bickering with your kids in the car to wear this Christmas sweater, it's going to look great, and they're sweating and crying or whatever. And you get here and you don't feel like joy. But that's what we get to do. So don't, you know, I did, we, Gary and I talk about it, man. He's like, man, let's clap. Like, like as, as Psalm 47 says, says, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Second thing is that joy is, is that joy is a message to share. In Luke chapter 2, if you go ahead, one chapter, it says, But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And that's where we get that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark is a, is a word that means, hey, listen, I have an announcement. A herald angel, the angel's name is not Herald, right? Gabriel, the messenger, and then Herald, the angel. That's not his name. A herald angel is a messenger angel, an angel that's bringing a message. So he's saying, listen up. We've got messenger angel, Herald, here. He's, gonna, he's got a big, important announcement to these shepherds in the field. They're like, oh, yeah, let me listen to Herald. And they deliver this message. It says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Is that joy is a message to be shared. And I want you to know that if you, if, if you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have an obligation to joyfully share the message and the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got these we've got these invitations for our Christmas Eve service. I've got to stack them over there. Take them. Take them away and give them to someone. I don't care if you put them on people's windshields, if you knock on doors, if you put them out at the coffee shop. But man, you've got a message to share. And you've got a message to joyfully share. And guess what? After good old Harold the angel said that he has a message that will bring joy to all the earth, guess what happens? It says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom his favor rests. They break out in song that he delivers this message of joy and then they break out in triumphant song over this joy. And so if they doubted good old Harold the angel, right, and then a, a heavenly host of angels appear 
And they break out and, and proclaim the, the, and break out in song, singing the Lord. So joy is a message to share. Last thing that joy is, I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. We're going to close with a song. And as you sing, I want you to sing for joy. And as you, I've got things for you to do. Sing with joy. Take one of these and give them to someone. A message to be shared. And the last news and the last thing is, is that joy is from within. It's a song to sing. It's a message to share. And it's from within. And look at this. If you look in the scripture here, when Mary goes and Elizabeth hears her voice, it says her baby, John the Baptist, leapt for joy within her. Leapt for joy within her. And she is filled with the Holy Spirit. The first time ever someone is filled with the Spirit is here's the baby and the, the Savior that's being born. Is I want you to know that joy is from within. It is not circumstantial. It comes from within. It's my Brittany Spaniel. When I get home, she does a little toe tap. If you have a dog, you've seen that where they just tap, 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 tap their toes. They're so excited to see you. That's joy. I didn't train her to do that. She's happy to see me. There's joy within her that she can't contain. She's tapping her toes so much. It's, it's Barrett running in here, running into my arms. We didn't sit at home like, all right, son, when you get to church, I want you to run. I'm going to grab you. It's going to be great. And we're going to show this image of joy. No, it's from within you. We know joy. And you know that moment. I, I pray and hope that you have joy of the Lord in you. That even when things are hard, that from within you is where joy comes from. Let me, let's stand. I'm going to pray. And I want us to... Sing a song of joy. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your joy. We thank you the promises of your word says that every single day is a gift from you and that we share in that gift today. That December 22nd, 2019 is a gift and we rejoice in that, God. I pray that as we walk out of here and as we celebrate, however we're celebrating the next few days, God, that we keep our eyes on you. We keep our eyes on the cross. We keep our eyes on our Savior. God, would you well up a spirit of joy in us that we can't contain or it's something that has to be shared. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.